I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our morning Bible study where we do a chapter of the Bible a day. Except mm-hmm. lately we have been breaking it up quite a bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, we're in the middle of chapter 5. Um, chapter 5, verse 17, I believe. Not right? Yeah. Okay. Jesus heals a paralytic. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat, tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, or he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. What do you think about that? Well, pretty neat. Yeah, <laughs> it's neat. So, so it was a weird way to set it up. What do you think about Jesus healing someone and forgiving their sins? First thing that caught my mind or caught my eye while I was reading this, or caught my mind, I don't know. Uh, verse twenty. Mm-hmm. The friends, the word, him on the mat. And then it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Is he talking about the man or the friends? I think he's talking about all of them. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like that's always emphasized. Like, the friends did all this and Mm -hmm. helped this man. And, you know, like the leprosy guy we read about yesterday, it was like, because of your faith. You know, and this is not really like, well, the man probably does have faith, but he can bring himself to Jesus. It's all his friends also have faith, too. I don't know. It's just something. Yeah. Well, the thing that caught me today is if the Pharisees weren't there, would he have healed this paralyzed man or just forgiven his sins? You know, they bring him there. They lower him through the roof into the middle. And then he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Like, it, at least up until that point, well, it seems said, like it's possible that the... It said in, like, verse 17, 
the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So he mm-hmm. may have been healing people. And he was probably always forgiving people and then healing them. And then it gives us this kind of like interruption. He says you're forgiven. Then he talks to the Pharisees. Then he he heals them. Or at least that's kind of what I think. I mean, there's no way to prove that's what he was doing. But Yeah, no, I'm, I guess I'm just opening the possibility that the reason why the friends did all of this was just so that the man could talk to Jesus. Maybe. I think they came looking to be healed. Because they had faith. Right. What I thought you were going to say is maybe if the Pharisees weren't there, there would have been room for him in the house. Well, that's part of it, too. They're just standing there being critical. And then there's all these people who really want to see Jesus. They can't get into the house. Yeah, but they're the important people. So they're the ones that should be there. That's what they think in their minds. It's mm. not right. Hmm. Okay. But yeah. I always love that. You know, which is easier to do? Forgive sins or say get up and walk? And it's... I think a lot of people go, well, forgive sins. That's the easier thing. Well, yeah, and... I don't know. Do you want to talk about that for maybe anyone who doesn't know? Sure. Oh, bless you, a, Lucy. A, a, <laughs> our dog is coughing. I'll try not to do a whole sermon on it. Please don't um, do a whole sermon. Okay. Maybe just, I'll do it so it's You short. do it, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> You've heard me preach sermons on this, so. Well, just I the can. history, the little bit, is that we forgive people all the time. You know, mm-hmm. you forgive each other. That's the command Jesus gave us. Mm-hmm. But uh, back then, they didn't forgive each other, or you had to go do all the stuff at the temple to be forgiven. Right? Well, you still would have to do something between a person. But it's just to forgive sins. To forgive a sin that is not committed against you is a pretty right. big claim. Well, yeah, but sure, because Jesus hasn't died yet. Now we all have the assurance that all of our sins are forgiven. So when you tell someone, well, well you're a pastor, or something it's a little different, but when you tell someone your sins are forgiven, it's a reassurance that Jesus already forgave their sins. You aren't you are yourself not forgiving them. Mm-hmm. Jesus forgave them and you're telling them you are forgiven. Yeah. 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 But because otherwise it would be completely ridiculous, you know, if you got into a fight with your friend and I would just tell you, Well, you're forgiven if you did something wrong and you hadn't worked it out with your friend at that point. It just, from a worldly point of view, it doesn't make any sense why you would have any authority there. Right. The fact is that all of our sins are against God, not against our neighbor. And, um... Or, I mean, both. Both. against your neighbor and, but mostly they're against yes. God. Um, so... 
Anyway, just a Is this the first time? First time in Luke, I think, that he was, like, reading people's minds. You know, they weren't... I guess I don't... I didn't catch that always the first time. Yeah, or I don't know if he's reading it. people's minds or he sees these looks of, you know... Well, it says he they, knew what they were thinking. Well, I know, but sometimes you know what I'm thinking. Well, when I'm I like, can read your mind. Okay. <laughs> but without saying no. anything, they could have been like, oh. Well, it's know, not like, like they were, what I'm saying is they're not like speaking this to each other, trying to cause, you know, like a little argument in the group or in the house or wherever they are. They're not saying like, who is this man? Like, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just looking, maybe they're giving him judgmental looks or rolling their eyes, or maybe he just is reading their, honestly reading their thoughts. Yeah, all those are possibilities. But they're not trying at this time to, um, you know, make other people turn away. Yeah, and this is, when this is recorded in Mark, this is very, very early on. This is actually, um, I believe it's recorded with the Peter's mother-in-law section. That it possibly was at Peter Peter's mother-in-law's house hmm. where all of this happened. And she Don't ended up with a hole in her roof. the chronology about it again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so, just, just to go to that, hmm. all these paragraphs, which I didn't notice before, but in the Greek happened with and it happened on a day and it happened on one day so there's not a Mm. next the the and in greek some kind can be chronological but well the next one says after this at what time 27 verse 27 um yeah and after these things so then that sounds like a sure, that's, time. <laughs> that is a time. Okay. All right. I don't really have anything else on that one. The okay. paralytic. Let's go to call it of Levi. After this. Okay. Verse 27. We're in chapter five, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you have anything that jumped out at you in this section? Uh, I guess... You don't have to make something no. up if it didn't. <laughs> no, it's rolling around in my head. I just oh, don't know okay. how to articulate it. Okay, that's fine. Just the fact that there are no righteous people. That's, I mean, I think it's in the Psalms. There's no one righteous, not even one. And so Jesus, you know, came for everyone. I guess it's 
the people who think they are righteous. Jesus is not looking to help. But I don't really have a full thought there. It's just well, something the that's note, a The note a pin. in my self-study Bible says, a person must recognize himself as a sinner before he can be spiritually healed. Yeah, just like if you don't go to the doctor, you're not going to get any help. Right. I mean, what's that Mitch Hedberg joke? He says, he calls his friend and says, do you know anyone that's sick with this certain disease? And his friend says, no. And he says, cool. And then he hangs up the phone. It's like, hey, do you know anybody that has cancer? And his friend says, no. So he says, cool, and hangs up the phone because that's his test to know if whether or not he has cancer because he knows his friend. I did a really bad job of telling that joke. I don't but think the, it's funny at all. Uh, it's funny when I'm laughing this at you comedian, because you're very it's bad not, at telling I'm very bad at this. Okay. The, this is silly. The, no, but it's if you, if that is your test, where you look around at your friend group and you say to each other, oh, I'm not a sinner. Are you a sinner? Do you know sinners? Do you hang out with sinners? And that's your only test is looking at the company you keep, but not really looking at your own soul and your own sins. Then you could easily never look to Jesus for help or think you need Jesus for help. Hmm. I probably. Okay. Well, Again. I was thinking about, I wonder if the Pharisees, like, started out liking Jesus. You know, like they were his friend, or um, they they admired and respected him as a teacher, and they followed him in a way. Because it seems like they're always present. I don't know if it's always the same Pharisees. But it seems like at first... Well, I'm, try, I'm trying to... I think we've throughout broken, Jesus' whole ministry... So much. Hold on, I'm talking. Okay. I'm trying to remember... Because this is... We've gone so slowly through chapters 3, 4, and 5. But he's... They're around. I can't remember if mm-hmm. he, they've been in every story, but it's just at least in the last two. They were just there listening to him preach, watching him heal. Mm-hmm. And then they start thinking these things. And now they're with him. They possibly go with him to the banquet. Or maybe they're just there outside on his way in. They say this thing to him, but whatever. They're still there. And they complained, why do you do this? So that just made me think, maybe they thought, oh, Jesus will someday be one of us, or, you know, he's a, re- he's a teacher and he could join our sect, or we all are, you know, kind of the same. But then they're like, oh, why are you doing that? You should be with us, you know? So maybe it, it was started out more as a colleague type thing and the more Jesus did things differently than that they separated I don't know I just sort of 
yeah. considering that. The only time I think that the Pharisees and teachers of the law like Jesus is when he's 12 years old in the temple. <laughs> but this earlier in this section, we go back to um, Jesus beginning his Galilean ministry and being rejected at Nazareth. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he's going to have Pharisees following him as anti-disciples. Basically just looking for any opportunity they have to destroy him. So you don't think that he has ever, you know, like, respected by them or they wanted him to just not by, be more like them? Not by these people. I mean, there are certain ones. You have Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he says, you know, we believe or we know that you are someone special who are you i think there are people that uh quietly believe in jesus or believe in him in their hearts but they're afraid of what's going to happen if they actually start confessing because i don't know if it's in this um gospel or not the man that's blind that's healed that he gets kicked out of the church and his parents get kicked out of the church just for saying Jesus might be a prophet. Hmm. That, you know, this is his power. Like okay, he's I just some, found a some... note about the Pharisees. Okay. In my Bible, my self-study Bible. And verse 17, so going back to where we started today with the paralytic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is says, mentioned here for the first time in Luke. So I guess today is the first time we talked about him. They weren't mentioned before. The name means separated ones, and they numbered about 6,000, were spread over the whole of Palestine. Teachers in synagogues, religious examples in the eyes of the people, guardians of the law and its proper observance. I should say self-appointed guardians of the law. Um, Yeah. Well, so... It's interesting to know. I didn't know. I didn't have any idea of their number before you read that. That's what I was about to ask you, because I was thinking. Oh, everywhere they go, it's the same twenty Pharisees, but it's possible every town he goes to, or even even in the same town on different days, it's a different group of Pharisees. Yeah, I wonder how they were structured, if they had, Pharisees and teachers at the law that worked with the different rabbis in every little temple throughout Palestine, or if they had some for the different tribes, or how it worked out, but hmm. Hmm. I don't All right. Don't know well, too much about that. Then it that. doesn't seem like my first theory was right. <laughs> oh well. Alright, last section. Jesus questioned about fasting. Verse 33. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do your and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it to an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into the old wineskins. 
If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says, the old is better. That's the end of chapter five. Yeah. Okay. Do you... It's kind of a... It's a weird... <laughs> tough parable. Um... Well, so John's disciples and Pharisees fast. Are they talking about on the Sabbath? Or just like generally? I think fasting? generally taking time to fast and pray. I think there's one section where the Pharisees are saying that they fast twice a week. So, mm-hmm. which, which is kind of a diet tread nowadays. but No, it's not for that. No, it's it's to focus your mind on prayer. Right. And devotion Jesus to God. Jesus doesn't want people fasting for a display. Mm-hmm. And that's the note in my Bible. I didn't just think of that by myself. No, there's a section in one of Paul's letters that says, you know, when you fast, put on, is it lotion or oil or something, but just make it very... Uh, concealed what you are doing in your devotion to God. Right. Well, it's like the story or whatever that we might come to later. Maybe it's in a different section where it's like same with prayer too. Like the people who pray quietly and humbly it's different than a Pharisee standing up and praying loudly in the front. Like you shouldn't be doing any of this for attention. You should be you know, humble, keep your... If you're doing something for God, then it doesn't need to be a show for the whole rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, should the people fast while they're with the bridegroom? He's saying, like, they're, ha- they're happy. They're with mm-hmm. Jesus. They don't need to necessarily focus their hearts and minds on prayer in that way because they're just constantly absorbing God they're literally they're the talking to God, God. Yeah. yeah so they do they're doing things a little differently which isn't to say they still don't do you know pray and fast because even Jesus did that well and if fasting's about a personal devotion to God how can you say that the disciples by following Jesus around for three years as his own personal well, disciples. they don't not, recognize him as God. Well, I know, but the... I think this is Jesus' point, that these people are much more devoted to my teachings than anyone that's fasting is. Sure, so then the parable is like... <laughs> this is the new order, <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's, yeah, it's to recognize who Jesus really is. So the the old and the new, it's, I guess the, the way I would explain it is if, well, you get a scratch on your car, you can't just go in and say this is the paint color. You know, someone has to mix it to oxidize it. So it blends in well. And... That would be the garment or, you know, wineskins. It's not 
stretch it out, it's going to burst because it ferments. And with Jesus, you have something new, so much, so much greater. The Old Testament was all about the shadows of what was going to come. And the New Testament is realizing how amazing Jesus is fulfilling all of those Old Testament prophecies. So, right, that makes sense. Then the last line is what confuses me because it's 36 through 38 are like, oh, you can't mix the old and the new. Like, the new is going to be separate and different and it won't work to try to whatever combine old and new. And then the last line is says, the old is better. Well, Which no. with wine makes sense because you need it age to be better but that this doesn't seem to fit in the parable where Jesus is saying he's the new mm-hmm. so but then, you have new wineskins meaning new believers however who are the Pharisees the Pharisees are the ones that like the old wine so they're just saying they're saying yeah why like, would you have that new stuff we have um, the old wine it's not a you know, Jesus being a sommelier, you know, I mean, like, old wine, aged wine is obviously much better, we should say to that. So but it's people's personal preference going, what we have what is far superior. To. Yeah. <clears throat> what we have is far superior to anything else. So they consider themselves experts, and they're not even going to open the door to the possibility that what is new is better than what they have. Mm. And that is keeping them away. So, yeah, the church is going to change completely because you can't just inject these different things in there. Um, It's Jesus changes the entire church. Wow, I was just peeking ahead to see... Chapter 6, mm-hmm. and it's super long, or yeah. it appears to be. So, anyway, we'll probably be breaking that up as well, or we'll see how yeah. far we can get yeah, through. We'll take out our time and study as we can. So, okay. well, thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye. Scooby-Dooby-Dooby-Doo-Wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.